I think I have to be a bit careful because, like, sexy Jay Gray voice in my ear. <laughs> Silky baritones. Bit, yeah, I might start sweating myself. <laughs> you want to press record? Okay. Let me know if it's rolling. To put this in reference, how long have you been doing this for now? So we, we have another show that we do with Yardstick Coffee called Let's Coffee. Um, but we talk to professionals in the coffee industry. And this is kind of the first one where we're not talking to someone in coffee. And we're not having coffee. You are having a beer. I am having a beer. I'm having a delicious Saloma Pale Ale. I am not having a beer <laughs> because I will have one later. But in true Asian form, my eyes are going to turn really red. And I'm gonna like. I'm already red. Well, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> That's why I'm wearing the hat as contrast. And the shirt. <laughs> we, we're in Singapore, by the way. So we're in Singapore, inside Chinatown. Deep and inside, inside Chinatown. Chinatown, we are in. Sago House. Ta da! Sago House. <laughs> it's called oh, Sago House because. It's a shop house on Sago Lane. And we're Sago. super creative with our naming of bars. Yeah, well, you know, how many drinks have you named? Too many. That's why I just keep on recycling the same names. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're here today with Jay Gray. And as of, as of today, you are the brand ambassador for Monkey Shoulder in Southeast Asia. Yes. Look after, looking after six countries across Southeast Asia for the past five years, give or take. And that means you travel a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it used to be once every two weeks. We've gotten slightly better at it now in scheduling. So we're, we're slightly more spread out. But... You never know. You always get this last minute, like a song crank coming up right before a BA week in Malaysia. So, BA week, a brand ambassador week. So, got it. A week filled of joy. So, here's the question: How did you get here? Like, how did you end up as a brand ambassador in Asia? Which happened first? Like, did you come to Asia, or were you headhunted and nah, brought here? I I came to Asia first. So, I mean, I was already sort of traveling through i'd done australia for two to three years um at the baxter inn and lobo plantation Berlin place briefly and a few other good bars that i really enjoyed learned a hell of a lot from how old uh, were you at that point that's a good question that'd be five years ago so i would be <laughs> 23 when i got there i think all right yeah. and before that you lived uh, UK, well, UK and Barcelona. So I did, I did UK for university, Barcelona before that, after after college. So did Barcelona just to skateboard and chill out and, mm -hmm. and you know have a bit of a, more of a misled youth. Came back to UK to go to university and, and attempt to study. And then as soon as that was sort of done, I did three years out of a six-year law course. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. So at some point you thought you were going to be a lawyer. Uh, yeah. Well, at some point I thought it would impress my family if I was going to be a lawyer. Yeah. This this is a very common story. <laughs> Among creatives. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I mean, I, I should have read the signs. I look, actually, funnily enough, applying for my new pass to stay in Singapore uh, for the mm -hmm. bar and everything, I looked through all of my grades from college and my grades from school because I never got my diploma from university sorted. So I looked through it and it was like media, A, film studies, A, uh, law, D. <laughs> <laughs> At what point did I think that was ever a smart idea? <laughs> so you should have taken a media course. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely with with the way the world's going now and specifically specifically our industry um having some sort of uh knowledge on how to work multimedia edit film like you're going to do after this work with audio equipment i mean all that that you're doing now and that i will be doing in the future is, is all learned through youtube which is fantastic well done um but it's never you're never gonna be as fast as you would be if you did it in school um 
and I don't, all the shortcuts I knew ten, would have been 10 years ago now are no longer relevant whatsoever. That's true. Yeah. So if, if you are studying media or film studies or any creative course graphic design and you're being pressured into doing something that you don't love, stick with what you do because I guarantee you it will be a lot more profitable for you in the future. Well, that's another thing is that um, in general, companies need to start behaving like media companies, right? They need to have a, like, uh, we have companies that consult with us, and I just gave this advice out this week. Uh, if they were saying, oh, do we hire someone for social media? Do we hire some, someone for this, someone for that? And I'm like, no. Mm. Hire yourself an editor-in-chief, and all of your communication will go through this person as a head of communications. But if you call them a head of communications, they're not going to behave in an editorial manner. And what you want is like a regularity of content just coming out. Yeah, we suffer from the same thing. It, it, I, it comes down to time cost benefit as well, I guess. Uh, what I've realized over the years of, of shooting and editing videos or having or directing shot, uh, videos to be shot for Monkey Shoulder or along with me uh, for UBC or for winner's trips and stuff like that is we have some great videography talent uh, that we work with regularly and then we have some not so great editors along the way and it's, it's no offense to them I think our vision for what we want for the brand is incredibly hard to encapsulate into a three-minute video it's much easier if you're doing it yourself you know what you want it to look like and how you want it to sound and uh, and then you get bogged down in the re-edits and you forget where you were when you just directed someone else um, so in theory I think it's a really nice idea to have someone you know subcontracted but then if you had someone in-house my goodness you'd save so much money you'd save so much money and also you know, that person's going to get used to the rhythms, right? To the beats of what's happening. Every time you go out, it's more or less the same story, yeah. right? And then when you have a vision, it's easier to communicate. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that we're, we've seen uh, kind of over the last maybe 15, 10 years, mm -hmm. which wasn't the way it used to be done, because I actually have background in, you know, Betacam, TV, old school linear editing yeah. you spin the things and you press the buttons at the same time cuts <laughs> yeah. a video um especially what my dad does city film and, and, and betamax all that stuff he, he basically re-edits it and reformats it into you know, more, more modern yeah uh, you had a you had a tape this big that went into the camera mm -hmm. and then all of the cameramen were big guys and palace is still using those though <laughs> palace that's, is still using those escape videos definitely <laughs> definitely uh back then you really needed someone who would shoot and someone who would edit because completely different expertise. Yeah. But now we use a term in Honeycomb called shreditor, which mm. we borrowed from someone else, and they're shooter editors. Yeah. Meaning, if you're the one who shot it, I want you to be the one to edit it because if we get an editor, that guy's got to spend like four hours just watching all the footage yeah. and understanding what happened. And if he wasn't on site, he doesn't know the logistics of like which way things were pointed. And yeah, unless you, I mean, that's when you get into a much more expensive production. Anyways, if you're a DP and then you've got your producer and your director, that's a whole different kettle of fish. And that's for, for three-minute videos, which we're usually looking at, or our attention spans a bit less for doing Instagram stuff for 15 seconds. Like It can be incredibly impactful. You might shoot a whole day and then scrub it down to 15 minutes to I uh, sorry 15 seconds to 15 minutes but in the its entirety like you yeah like I say shredded is a, a fantastic term for that and I think incredibly important well in today's YouTube world because we I, like we were talking earlier and you're saying that you guys are going to be starting a YouTube uh, channel here as well yeah. right like a content channel here as well um, kind of that sweet spot is you're really trying to have everything at 10 minutes yeah pretty much I mean we, we've got a or, or 
that's it. We like way I was thinking about it working was bouncing everything through Instagram or through IGTV to the channel or to the landing site for Sago House. So yeah. The brand for the channel is going to be completely different to the brand for the bar. Mm -hmm. um, and may as well capitalize on my Instagram, the cocktail advocate. Wow. <laughs> See? So you're just plugging that in smooth, seamless. No one noticed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then, uh, what do you call this? So, so the thing about YouTube, though, is that the monetization is a lot more viable than, some of, than a lot of the other platforms. Depending on a lot of different factors, as you know, like you popularity, know, of course, yeah, being number one algorithms, 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 and also like, you know, I, I'm looking into music now, right? I, I, I'm a keen hip hop fanatic, as you know, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, okay, how am I gonna have any sort of decent hip hop coming through? Uh, just as like background noise, anyways. Yeah. And all the cuts I want to do, I even like uh, boot up an old, um, what you call it. Fuck, what's that? <laughs> Cassette player? No. Disc man? Uh, uh, no, iPod? No. Creative music uh, music match jukebox? Pretty much, kind of. Okay. Uh, it's based an emulator. Uh, oh, wow. Emulator. Yeah, yeah, and I was, I was like looking at that, and I was looking at doing it, and I was like, if I sample like five seconds of something, yeah. and then sample five seconds of something else, and I blend that together, will that be unrecognizable enough to not be a sample or, or a, a copyright piece of work? So a couple of things. One, there are services for this now. Oh yeah, yeah. There's services you can go online and pay like I don't know. It's like I think nine dollars a month, mm. and then there are libraries you can browse through. I'm cheap though, bro. I'm cheap. Okay, that's one. <laughs> the, the other one is that you can talk to people and make friends, right? Yeah. Um, so to bring it together, yeah. algorithms and hip hop music. If you are a hip hop artist and you would like Jay Gray to be making drinks over your music, uh, comment below. And if you're not a hip-hop artist, why don't you just comment below on what your favorite hip-hop artist is, and maybe you guys kind of agree on that. Yes. And we're a Southeast Asia-heavy podcast, right? So we're going to be... So we're not going to do that thing where we're, any famous bartender that comes through is going to be on the channel. It's going to be our nearest and dearest in Southeast Asia. So, I mean, in nice. five years here, I've got a bunch of friends who can make amazing drinks. Um, again, comment below if you want to be on the channel, if you're swinging through Singapore. Uh, I don't think we can afford to fly you out just yet, but <laughs> if you're in Singapore. <laughs> well, it's a good town to do that in. Yeah. Like, you know, we're in Manila and we don't get as many guests. Mm. Or like, for example, recently we had Manila Cocktail Festival. Yeah. All the guests are Filipino. Oh, that, yeah. But I love that about what we did there. Yeah, I, that's I pretty think, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's the only city where you can do it. Yeah. And dude, that was like the best turnout I think I've had for or i've seen for any event like that in a long time like where everyone showed up and showed out and keeping it local is sometimes the best way to do it it's nice to have international yeah. guests it's, it's always nice to see what other people are doing around the world it has become so commonplace that i think the smartest move was was doing that making sure it was like everyone coming home for a shift yeah um and man the pride there is insane that's one thing i'll always say about philippines is like the proudest people and rightly so something i thought that was really cool was uh, I'd been to a number of their bars already, and then uh, since then have visited some of the other bars that I hadn't been to yet uh, because I had met them at the festival. So I came here, I went to employees only here, yeah. and I really felt um, the same vibe. And, and you really see that with some bartenders where when they are at the bar, they are literally driving the bus. Yeah. I, and, I, I, and they control the feel like they're going to a completely different bar and the vibe would completely change. Yeah. And I also think like 
we're very lucky in Southeast Asia how quickly things have grown. That's, I guess, all right, let's wind it back to like 15, 20 years ago in any uh, major city. Mm-hmm. A bar would be open, a bar would be run by usually one person. Like, and that one person would be the controlling factor in whether the night was good or not, whether the staff were happy or not. Now, I think, you know, taking the lead from a lot of bars have paved the way in it. Group ownership, not like actual ownership of the bar, but group ownership of the night-to-night success has been wildly absorbed into our culture. Like like you say, you go to any bar and that person's there, it's going to make the night. And then next night it might be a different person, but they're going to take ownership of where that other person left off. You know what I mean? That's right. Um, and I think everyone now can take a little bit of ownership of the bars they work in, whereas previously like menu collaborations weren't as big. It would be like the, the manager would write the menu and then everyone else would kind of have to live with it, it. live with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, seeing that across the board, it's not just Singapore, it's not just Philippines, but like Thailand, everything like that. Owner operated joints are coming up, which is good. Um, and I think people are being smarter about it. Some people are being dumber about it. <laughs> <laughs> but owner operated in coffee, that's a big thing as well. Mm. Like you can really tell if you go to a cafe and it's just staff run, yeah. Not just staff run, but like you can tell if it's staff run, and you can tell if the owner is there. And I, I think that's something that's um, actually quite Western, mm. you know, like the bistro culture of Europe, where the owner is there and is oh, it is the uh, no. <laughs> you know, and and, and it, it adds a lot of romance to the yeah. experience, right? Yeah. And it's something that we didn't really have because like there's very much an owner culture. Mm. Right, where you own and you hire people. I think in it's Asia. something that it's Danny changing. Mayer kind of brought up massively. You know, if you haven't read yeah. Setting the Table, read Setting the Table or, or listen to it. If you're not a big reader on audiobooks, it's fantastic. The guy's a genius. I I had read it in the past, mm. and then I listened to it on audiobook since the last time I was here. Yeah, yeah. Because when I was last here, I spoke to uh, Matt over at Common Man, mm. and it was we have a question on Let's Coffee. If you could have a cup of coffee with anyone in the world at any time. Mm. In history, what would it be and why? And his answer was Danny Meyer. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I should go back and read that because I think maybe I might have missed something. Mm. But my, my schedule is tighter than it used to be. So I just bought it again on Audible. Yeah. Listening to it. And uh, if I remember correctly, he's the one who reads it. Yes. Yeah, correct. He reads it. So the emphasis was different. And he really got a zero in on certain points. So that's a hot tip. Yeah. Like, uh, we're not such a big... YouTube channel or podcast that we have an audible uh, we had an audible code oh, for right, audiobooks yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah but if, if you if you have the opportunity it is a great book yeah yeah I, and, and that's it like also going back to the whole education thing you can educate yourself on anything these days like YouTube's been huge on on me with the build here uh, and and with George my partner and Desiree my my partner in life and partner of the business um, but you know Audiobooks, I, I like like yourself. I'm working two full time jobs right now, essentially. One's unpaid. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have all the much time to like be to be diving deep into them, but I need to learn and re up my knowledge on like managing people better or managing myself better, managing my time. Um, and a lot of people look at these books like um, it's a good example is you are what you do, mm-hmm. right? That's a book for CEOs of big companies yeah. um, or those who want to become CEOs of big companies. Probably what. I would say is out of my realm of expertise. I dove into that. I've read it or listened to it three times and I'm taking notes on it all the time. Like a lot of it can apply to your very first business. A Mm -hmm. lot of it can apply to setting up for your very first business. And I looked at the time I listened to, I considered going through it three times. It's not like six hours I've listened to it continuously, I guess. So 
it's not that much time if you're doing passive taxi drives or passive train yeah. trips or whatever it is. Or if you're on a plane, just keep it going. And then definitely on a plane, like I don't even watch movies. I just listen, write notes. And forever will I be indebted to that $15 a month subscription. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so difficult to cancel as well. Like oh, yeah. It's a good way of forcing yourself to having new content yeah. every time, right? I give you tokens once, once a month. Yeah, and you know, like the, there, there is a way to do it for free. You're seeing YouTube; it is a big deal. There are platforms like Creative Live, and where yeah. you can watch in real time. But having a book that's been edited down and put into a story structure, mm -hmm. so that you can absorb it, you know, in that manner, it really does help. Yeah. It really does help. Uh, I think for me, one of the one of the great books that I read on Audible and is on every device I have mm. all the time is called the personal nba uh the personal mba really yeah not and it basically it's the story is there's a guy he was going to get an, take an mba mm. a master's and then he figured that well why don't i try to learn all this stuff without taking the course right and it was like he was inspired by seth godin seth godin had said like you don't need this yeah, you don't need to pay for it you can actually yeah. do it yeah so he basically learned everything that he that that he needed to know and then he broke it down into 15-minute chunks. Mm. And every chapter is 15 minutes. So if you need to understand the principle of object blindness, right. it's a chapter. Yeah. And, like it, and then he's dialed it all down to like the perfect amount of time to absorb that particular kind of information. Yeah, and I think with people in the creative industries, it's very easy to practice that and mm -hmm. then literally practice it and look back on your work comparatively and go, okay, that's like... That's nearly spot on. You might be replicating someone, something someone else has done. Later down the road, you can make your own. Uh, I don't. So I guess like the reason for like law degrees or anything else like that, anything more uh, structured and formal is because you need an adjudicating board to sort of say, oh, you're good. Like, yeah. You passed. But with yeah. creative. You, you don't want a doctor that like faked it till he made it. <laughs> yeah. You don't want a personal doctorate. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. no, no. I practiced on like test dummies. It's fine. I'll be good. <laughs> All right. So let's go back. Yeah. So you studied, thought you were going to become a lawyer. Yeah. Three years in, not going to happen. Yeah. So you went and you started working in Barcelona. No, no, other way around. So I okay. Fin yeah, I finished college. Oh, sorry. And then yeah, you went back. Yeah. I did my gap year, which I extended again because uh, I had a good time in Barcelona. And, uh, you know, I, that was probably the time in my life where I had zero cares in the world. Didn't have a phone, didn't have a bank account, was paid in cash. I was working at a bar and I was skating every day, and that was pretty much it. Um, and it was one, I, probably the most stress-free I've ever been. Like, it wasn't like, oh, how am I going to like pay for the next meal? Like, I had money-ish, kind of. I had enough money to eat. And it wasn't like, oh, where am I going to go next? I had nothing to worry about. It was really good uh, until it wasn't, until I hurt my knee and then I couldn't skate anymore. <laughs> and then how did you end up in Australia? Uh, so I came back, did the university thing, uh, bailed on it to move to London, actually, the next one. So my, my partner at the time was a lawyer, or was a studying lawyer. You, have to, you finish your law degree and then you have to do a basically free unpaid work. Yeah. Um, I went up there with her. Um, sh bailed on that. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. Like, okay. Yeah, I was working at a whistling shop, which is a pretty intense bar. We I'd get home at like six, seven a.m. every night. She was leaving for work at eight a.m. every morning. Not compatible. Not compatible at all. Um, and to be fair, I hold my hands up. I probably wasn't like the best dude in the world back then either. Mm -hmm. Definitely wasn't like, we were still living on a blow-up bed like a year later. So oh, I God. presume that wasn't very helpful at all. I didn't give a shit. I was always drunk. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so that kind of flopped. And then, yeah, got the opportunity to move across to Australia. 
uh, one of my best mates at the time, Simon Tui, who is Australian, he was leaving his bar, Kalu Kale, which was down the road. So we both kind of went back together. He went to Melbourne, I went to Sydney. Okay. Um, and that's where I guess things got more serious in my career. You had a job offer. No, no. So how, like... uh, I met another girl. <laughs> I followed her over there. Okay. <laughs> and your partner here... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so you in the past, we're talking ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Anyway, so, so, you, so you followed a girl to Australia, yeah. followed a girl to Sydney. Yeah, yeah. And you got um, a job there as a bartender as well. Yeah. So I kind of I had connections through Whistling Shop and through Simon, who was very helpful and sort of set me up with some people to speak to in Sydney. So in the first week I was there, probably the fastest I ever got a job. Um, and I guess that's the, the great thing about the hospitality industry is like, if you know enough people, you're pretty easily going to get a job in a place you want to be. What happens after that is really on you, but yep. mostly we'll get some people through the door all the time if we can. Yeah. Um, so yes, a uh, very friendly team at, uh, Baxter Inn helped me out. Um, Lewis took me in, he was running the joint back then with Toby and, um, I don't know if you know much about the Spillhouse group in general, but Jason and Anton basically set up an empire and in uh, Sydney or New South Wales with some amazing bars and, and probably generating some of the best talented or most talented um, operate, operational managers, general managers and bartenders I can think of. Um, they've probably won every award under the sun and just generally good, good people. So they took me in um, and I felt like I fit in okay. It was different. It was, so I think the bat bar had 670 different whiskeys, uh, mostly uh, single malt. So, or mostly scotch at least. I think that may have grown since then. Um, overwhelming to say the least to try and get that knowledge base up from like, I was mainly a gin person at Whistling Shop because that's mainly what we were doing. And then moving into that heavy whiskey category, it was like, wow. Um, now looking back on it as a brand ambassador for Monkey Shoulder, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. That actually kind of set me on a good straight path. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then due, due to the nature of the visa in Australia, you have the choice, you tie yourself to a company for five years uh, for your uh, sponsorship. And then they'll let you stay, um, or you move every year. So I just moved every year, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I moved and opened up Lobo Plantation with Simon. Uh, that went really well, and we both parted ways from there as well. The team sort of Dre took it on, did an amazing job, blew it up uh, in a what good way. What kind of bars Lobo Plantation? So Lobo's a rum bar. Okay. Yeah, and actually, to be fair, that I think I was enjoying rum a lot more at that particular point in my life as well. I was enjoying the, I guess, the freedom of it and not so stringent rules. Yeah. Um, and also, I felt a lot more flexible on drinks I could make. In terms of, uh, consumers were less hard to get on board. I can get consumers on board whiskey, like now, I've spoken about it for five years straight. Yeah. And I can get them to sort of change their profiles and, and, and think about whiskey differently. But back then, rum was just so easy. It was just like, all right, now, the people who understand daiquiris, mojitos, and, you know. And then you're just scaling up from there. That's another thing, though. Like, um, you're saying so. You're saying that like there was that gin phase, and then you you did this whiskey thing, mm. and then there was a rum thing. Yeah. And I think that that's a that's a really important part of. And correct me if I'm wrong. Of being a great of being a good ambassador is yeah. understanding the characteristics of your product, like the personality and what can be done with it. Yeah, I mean, put it this way. I think every bartender who wants to achieve some level uh, or some level of greatness, I don't know greatness is the wrong word, but like every bartender who wants to be well-rounded and respected should probably do something, uh, or sorry, do every a small piece of every category, a small piece of every 
uh, sort of Aryan hospitality, and that doesn't just go for spirits. I mean, there's beers and wines, and I know what my weaknesses are. My weaknesses are wine and grape-based spirits and um, hackfeets and things like that. Like, I'm not fortified really, wines. Yeah, fortified wines. Like, I mean, I've been to Tio Pepe. I've had some great experiences, and I've learned a lot. But probably not as much as your average bartender is working with that product every day, mm -hmm. uh, who actually cares. And that's the other thing: people don't realize what they have in their back bar or in their fridges. They're probably taking it for granted. Like they're probably not looking at their bottle of antique formula and going, "Oh yeah, like I, I actually don't know much about this beautiful product that we use every day." Um, and there are ambassadors out there who will teach you about that. Otherwise, just get your book on, like start reading. And it's harder to bar spirit books tend to be incredibly dry. They yeah. don't tend to be like page turners. <laughs> Unless you've got a competition come up, you're like, oh, I'm going to impress them with this little factoid. But yeah. yeah. So that's, a, that's another question is um, if, if there's no way to, well, we were talking about YouTube, there are ways to teach yourself now. But in a vacuum, mm. it's expensive. Like you got to go out and taste all that stuff and. Yeah. So how how does how do you get that point? So I guess experientially, like I I was very lucky to to be a bit of a um, have itchy feet and kind of move around a lot, and that meant I had to experience more by proxy. Like I wasn't going to go from like whistling shop to another version of whistling shop to another version of whistling shop. Yeah. Like, unless I really wanted to brand myself as like the gin guy or the fucking quaint speakeasy guy, which no one really wants to be. Yeah. Um, I wanted, I was hungry to experience everything. So I, I pretty much dabbed my hand in every, uh, every opportunity I had. Um, for, and th okay, then that's a double-edged sword because you start moving around a lot more and, and it looks like you have no focus and it doesn't look good on your CV if you're moving around a lot as well. Yeah. I think you have to balance it with like really strong intention as to why you're moving. Don't just get like, oh, you know, I've learned as much as I can because that's never going to be the fact. Yeah. Um, or I'm moving up for a managed position. I don't think any position I took in Australia uh, was as, was always lateral. Like I never took a, a position that was of greater power, great responsibility, greater, greater money. It was yeah. always for me, it was like, this is an opportunity to work under someone I've never worked under before. Or this is an opportunity to learn something about a brand or spirit category I've never learned about before so and then what i always say to people is remember everything like don't like even your first ever bar job in the shitty pub like i remember everything about what phil bootsy taught me and he was like a very interesting teacher <laughs> a very nice man in his own way but like he would have me like polishing the brass taps until like mm -hmm. four in the morning until they're sparkling clean and then purposely like fuck them up the next morning so i had to do it again like he was an asshole in, in that respect, but he taught me hard work, which I probably didn't have instilled in me so much behind the bar at that point. Yeah, I, you know, I, I tried, I call that Mr. Miyagiing. Oh, yeah. Like, like I tried to brasso do that. Brasso on, brasso off. Yeah, brasso, <laughs> wax on, wax off. Um, yeah, like there are times, like I really tried to do that with my staff, but there are also times when I feel like, oh man, I, I don't want to be the asshole. No. Oh, oh, no, don't get me wrong. I don't think his way of, of uh, educating is by any means like a good way of doing it. I'm probably one of the only staff who stayed with him. Um, so, and, and, I, and I don't think even then I understood why I was staying or understand what he was actually teaching me. And, mm -hmm. and he was building me up. Cause he, he owned his own pub outright. So, like, of course, he was wanting everything to be pristine. If I did something wrong, of course, he was want, want, wanting me to redo it, right? So what I'm saying is I think I, I kind of went around about ways I usually do. Uh, don't forget anything you've learned. Just put it in like a file in your head and be like, and call on it when you need. So mm -hmm. like when when people ask me like, what should I do? I join this bar and like, I don't agree with the systems. Like I don't, I don't think they should be 
glass out ice first and before you build the drink and all this sort of stuff. And you're like, okay, well, that's fine. It's their system. You're going to have to like learn that and come to terms with it and approach it down the road when you can prove that your system's faster or better or the drink is more chilled when it comes to the guest or whatever it is. But long story short, like don't bitch and whine and say like, my system's right. It's like, no, because you learned from one person that that system is right. You yeah. know what I mean? You haven't even given the other system a shot yet. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, um, yeah, it, it's a different strokes for different folks kind of situation. Mm -hmm. But it, it's also true that if you learn both, maybe one day you will have your system that's, you 100%. know, an amalgamation of, of them all. Yeah. And you just take the best from, from all of them. Yeah. It's like, it, it's almost like there are no bad experiences right there are no bad teachers no there are bad teachers though there are bad teachers yeah <laughs> there are and, and that's the other thing as well like you you could be learning from a brand ambassador you could be learning from a youtube channel you could be learning from whatever it is take everything with a pinch of salt even like reading it from a book we uh we as hospitality folk if you're if they're anything like me haven't finished their degrees or whatever if if i was to write a book i would guarantee one spell check it two like I would take everything I said with a pinch of salt, be like, oh, that Jake Ray's onto something there, but I'm going to research more and then come back with my own opinion. Yeah. Um, same thing with when, when a, a manager talks to you, respect what they're saying, do what they say at all times in a venue if, if you're not in the position of power. Um, you know, abide by the rules and then learn more, ask opinions, you know, don't rally against a manager you don't like or whatever it is because they could be coming up with some good ideas you just don't see it yet. And same thing when you're coming to a business, like, Sego House is going to be something quite unique and I don't think has happened in Singapore as yet from a service standard. And that's not just because uh, it's what I believe from all the years of experience I have. I've, I've sort of done an amalgamation. There's a bit of bullet in place, there's a bit of hinky dinks, there's a bit of Baxter in. There's everything I, I've worked on and in in this venue. But more often than not, what I've chosen to do service-wise is for a very good reason. Like talking about, okay, Actually, no, if I say anything on here, right, this always happens. If I say anything out loud and it goes to publish and we don't open yet, someone's going to do it before I do so, it. Oh, well. <laughs> so I, I always say, like in, in Honeycomb, in our studio, we yeah. have a lot of open space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are always like, oh, my secrets, my secrets. Yeah, well. And I always tell them, you know what? Uh, ideas are easy. It's a hustle that's hard. That's true. Right? So I always yeah. tell people, you know what? If someone beats me to the punch, mm. I always say, you know what? Maybe they deserved it. A hundred percent. Like I, they I, had the hustle to go get it. Yeah, yeah. I've come to terms with that three times now on three different things in this band. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I've been like, all right, good hustle. I should have kept my mouth shut in the first place. But no, okay, so let's put it this way. So, all right, everything in here has to be done for a very specific reason because we have three staff and three staff only to work a seven-day-a-week shift. And when you say three staff, you mean three partners. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's three <laughs> of us that own it. Literally, completely owner run. <laughs> yeah. We don't have a choice. Well, we got JoJo. Love JoJo. Uh, he will be helping out on the weekends. Mm -hmm. uh, not on my payroll, but not yet on my payroll yeah. until we can afford to pay him. Um, but we'll have JoJo helping out. So, yeah, let's say three to four. Um, we don't have time to, like, firstly, we don't have time to sort of be long about what we do behind the bar. There's a one station bar and we have one person on the floor technically. Yeah. We don't have time. Sorry. We don't have the benefit of such a beautiful space, even though I, th I like it, but like we don't have such a 
an outstanding space that people can occupy themselves for very long without being attended to. Mm -hmm. So we have to mix that. Every person on this bar, on this eight, eight seat, nine seat bar needs to be spoken to and entertained by myself or whoever's buying the bar at that time. Mm -hmm. And then every person out here needs to be entertained and, and doted on by Des. And she's incredibly good at that. Mm -hmm. Me, not so much as a people person, but I'm going to get used to it. <laughs> so this sounds like you guys are never going to take a vacation. Oh, no, not a chance. Not, not in the first like three years at least. That's a really, I mean, as an ambassador, you're taking what, 50 flights a year? 63, last Oof. I checked, yeah. So it's okay. You're coming off of all of this travel, way so too much travel. travel. <laughs> so done with travel. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's going to be nice to like, park here and and just be here so yeah. let, let's how did you end up as a brand ambassador like oh, if yeah. someone wants to so come back to that question that. where you asked the very first question <laughs> yeah because yeah. yeah. that's the other thing is that like you're leaving monkey shoulder yeah to do sago house yeah the funny thing is like we've, we've been talking about this for a while this is something you've been wanting to do yeah and you're looking for a replacement i guess yeah so when so i'll start with the first one so how did I become a brand ambassador? I kind of owe that to Zach DeGitt, who is currently the brand ambassador for Monkey 47 for Asia Pacific. So I came here with Proofing Company for a consultancy at Longchim, essentially, which mm -hmm. is a restaurant by David Thompson, very great chef. Um, that worked for a bit. And definitely after that year was up, I was kind of out. I guess what happened was Zach and I became friends, kind of the first real friend I had in, in Singapore besides Desiree, my, my partner now. Um, and he just kind of came to me one day and said, Hey, I'm, I'm leaving. Like he's going to open his bar here. Mm -hmm. I need a replacement. Would you be interested? And I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think I'm done with behind the bar. I'm probably gonna go to Hong Kong. I'm going to look at stuff there. Uh, but thank you. Like, honestly, that means a lot, but I, I just don't even think I'd be a right fit. Um, and then he came back and he was like, come on, dude, <laughs> like, do me a soul. Just go for the interview and make me look good. Like I'm, I'm trying to help the company out. Yeah. I have to at least show that I'm doing something. I Wait, like, so he was the previous ambassador. Yeah. He was before me for monkey. Shoulder. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah. Previous monkey shoulder now monkey 47. Funny how that works. Yeah. 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 So he came, he came to me a long time. He knew I was leaving anyways. He, he thought I was leaving Singapore. And I think at that time we were just moved in together. We were just living together. Um, anyways, I said no the first time. It wasn't that I didn't want to be. I just honestly didn't think. I didn't think I was ready at that point to become an educator when I still felt like I had a lot to learn. Hmm. Um, and that's, I guess, at that point in my life, I was chasing learning. And I really, I kind of wanted to go back to it. After sort of running Long Chim and, and dealing with the headaches of a lot of that, I was like, mm, I think I want to go back behind someone like Tim Phillips or, or any one of those great legends who, who sort of taught me previously. And yeah, like I said, please, please, please make me like, make me look like I'm at least trying. I was like, all right, cool. I came for an interview. I met Sash, who's my boss now. And we hit it off, Sash and Marcus and I, and it kind of felt right. I came in for a second interview and I had pneumonia. Okay. <laughs> and like, I was really, really sick. And I came in anyways, and they were like, is he high? Like, is he okay? And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm really sick. There's nothing I can do about it. Like, but I'm here. And we did the second interview, and I thought, well, even if I did want it now, it's gone. Um, but they gave it to me. Um, on the And I, with my sort of stipulations was, I want to be able to write my own program. Like, I want to be able to write my own education program. Yeah. I want to be mostly about that. If I'm going to become an educator, I want to take it seriously. Um, and they're like, yeah, carte blanche for year one. It's always carte blanche the first year. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
I think this is something that a lot of people maybe don't realize about brand ambassadors mm -hmm. is that that's the job. It's you are teaching people. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be committed to your community. You have to be committed to hospitality. Uh, I think from my first year, people saw me partying a lot, and I thought, I think they thought that's what it was. Yep. They definitely didn't see like the 4 a.m. finishes followed by the 8 a.m. wake up call to get to the office for nine nine o'clock meetings. Yep. And that's every day, pretty much. I mean, can't say I actually turn up at 9 a.m. every day, but yeah. I tried. <laughs> Um, they don't see you sort of panicking about writing a new training every year or I, like my first two, I, I did training every half year, a new one. And then I would do three because I would stagger it to beginning, uh, beginners, intermediate and, and, um, sort of more higher level, I guess. Yeah. Um, and advanced then, is the wrong word, right? Yeah. Advanced, I guess. No, it makes sense. Like I kind of, the, the tire up trainings I was trying to write or the trainings that were different. Um, I wanted them to be engaging for people who felt like. I shouldn't be teaching them. You know, you know, yeah, yeah, other yeah. versions of me going like, well, I don't really want to listen to Jay Gray talk about stuff that I already know. Yeah. So they were way more, I guess, um, theoretical and inclusive trainings. Yeah. So what I was going to say, like it, it stops being academic and it becomes a, lit, a bit more um, brain trusty. Yeah. <laughs> like Illuminati level. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, I would never say to Cha-Cha uh, from Rabbit Hole in Bangkok, like, hey, mm -hmm. can I teach you something? Like, that's mm -hmm. that to me seems very incredulous and, like, a bit big-headed. Uh, someone at her level who, who is, is an educator herself and all this sort of stuff. I would love to say, or what I try and do with the other trainings that we're writing or the, the higher-up trainings I'm writing is, like, hey, would you like to come and do this activation with me, with your team, and hopefully we can all learn something together. That's yeah. more likely what I, what I'll do for that third tier, um, because at the end of the day, I still learn stuff like every single day, mm -hmm. um, and I try my best to keep on on form as well. Yeah, and you're sixty years old now. <laughs> yeah. No, no, <laughs> that's why I'm I'm so cold now. Yeah. That's why I'm you look like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thirty in two days. Oh wow! Yeah, that's I am thirty-five. Oh, you look younger than me. That's oh. All. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Everyone in Asia looks younger than me. <laughs> Desiree's 34. <laughs> well, thank you, Jay. <laughs> On behalf of Des, thank you, Jay, for all of you, too. She makes me look good. It's fine. I'm happy. You make me she look does. good. She does. She does make you look very good, Jay. All right. So five years at Monkey Shoulder. What were the highlights? What were the best parts of that? Oh, that's hard. I was thinking about this the other day because I was thinking about doing like a hype reel of, of five years and then I looked at all the footage and went, no. Oh, God. <laughs> it's all too dangerous. And there's lots of different weight classes that I was in at certain points. Uh, I think I'm medium now. Oh, God. Me me medium <laughs> to large. Um, so anyways, I think every Singapore Cocktail Festival has been amazing. Okay. Like every single one. Um, and I think that sort of from the very first one I was included in, that was like uh, revolutionary because it was the biggest one we'd done, I think. It was all the OGs were here. And it was quite tight at that point it wasn't so international and when i say international i don't mean southeast asia i mean like international international uh rest of the world kind of coming over and taking over singapore yeah um and then we've expanded every year on that i've had great times um i guess i have to say like every time i've had a full training where like everyone who said they were gonna come comes and you have like a room of 30 to 35 people and you're like oh this is awesome it's a great feeling and you nail it as well if you don't mess up your words 
not so much I don't care about swearing, but like if, if I don't stutter so much or forget my lines mm-hmm. or become overwhelmed and I finish that training and, the, and like everyone enjoys it, that is like the biggest high I've gotten from the job so far. Um, and I guess you feel a bit like, a, you definitely feel like a rock star. There's no, there's no two ways about it. When you, when you come off a stage or when you come off from a, from a, a training like that and it goes really well, like oh man i actually might be okay at what i do like i actually might be <laughs> good at this and then you do that until you mess up next time and then the funny thing is that like it's it's essentially the same thing like i go over this a lot of times when we're talking about uh service is that when especially in a cafe but it's true whether it's a cafe or a bar or whatever when someone shows up in your establishment they don't really care what your day was like no nah. what your life was like not supposed like, to care What's that? They're not supposed, They're not to, supposed care. to care. <laughs> exactly. Like for them, they are walking into, for all intents and purposes, Disneyland, mm. right? So they come there with an expectation that there's going to be a Mickey Mouse. You're going to take a picture of the Mickey Mouse. They're going to see some nice rides. They're going to ride the rides. The lines are going to be manageable, but not so bad. And yeah. they're going to be crying kids running around. Then you're going to probably step and puke at one point. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, most of them pretty much the same. Puke, puke if you're lucky. If you're lucky. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so they come in and like you need to be Mickey Mouse for them, yeah. right? They're expecting, you know, a, a happy, in our case, barista, yeah. right? Who's very happy to serve them and don't really care that you're being unreasonable sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's very much the job. Yeah, and, and trust me, that's definitely the job for, uh, for behind the bar, behind the, uh, the counter or whatever it is in hospitality in general. That's the job and that's what we sign up to. And I think everyone's getting on board with that slowly but surely that it's not about them or their Instagram photos or how amazing yeah. they think their drink is. Uh, it's about what the customer thinks of all that, right? Not necessarily Instagram photos, but the drink and the service. Um, with the brand ambassador role, if people really want to do it, there are all those dizzying highs where you walk off stage and go like, that's amazing. Or you have a guest shift that's full and people like your drinks. You're like, wow, that's awesome. Like that. Oh, it's all great, but it's nothing compared to seven days a week, no choice. You are happy. Like, there, yeah. you don't get a bad day. Yeah. Like, I, I got told, uh, so I got Brandon Master of the Year this year, which I'm very thankful for. My Congratulations. Thank you very much. And this is from? Uh, Singapore Cocktail. No, the Bar Awards. Sorry. The Bar oh, Awards wow. Singapore. Congratulations. Thank you. And, 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 and thank you, Tron, for hosting and everyone else. And, um, that was my that was my awesome tip of the cap for me to go like time to leave now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not like local award got done fine. I wasn't going for anything else. I didn't want anything else. What what people's uh, opinions here mattered to me more than tales of culture than that. But mm-hmm. I digress. Um, the year before that, I was nominated, and uh, a little bird told me this year the only reason I didn't get it last year is because my personal life was a mess. Interesting. So, yeah. so they consider those things. They, well, everyone does. So. It's again, you are a, in my opinion, this role is as a brand ambassador, you are a public servant, right? Mm-hmm. William Grant Sons hires me, Mike Shaw hires me, but not really. It's the community that hires me and it's the community that fires me. Because if I'm not appealing to or helping or in any way giving back to the community, then I'm of no use to them. Therefore, I'm of no use to the brand. So it wasn't that I wasn't doing my job, it wasn't that I wasn't dedicated to everything I said I was dedicated to. My personal life was a mess, therefore it definitely affected my drinking. It would affect mm. my personal ability. And like sometimes when you've done a, a guest shift or you've done a training or it's your fifth one that week and you've on zero sleep, you don't want to take the fiftieth uh selfie with someone. Oh yeah. Like there's times where you're just like, All right, cool man, I gotta go. And I noticed over the years, like 
year one, give me all the selfies. I want all the selfies. And then year two, yeah, selfies are great. And then year five, you're like, I'm old now. How long have we been taking yeah. selfies for? So you got to be careful what you wish for in that sense, but also very respectful of the fact that people look up to you in this role. Yeah. And if you just shit all over that, like you're not going to be a good brand ambassador. If you can't respect the fact that people want this job or like you or like what you do for them and you can't sit there for 20 minutes after a session and take selfies, you're probably not going to be good at this job. Yeah. Or if you feel like you're too important, then you're not going to be good at this job. Yeah, it's, it's a real big question. I think that a lot of people in service don't realize. Like, well, in business in general, is that you really have to ask yourself, who is your audience, mm. right? And who is your customer, Yeah. right? And then maybe the last one would be like, what is your product? Yeah, yeah. Right? Because sometimes you think your product is one thing, but it, it's really not that. The product yeah. is, like people would say, oh, the product is the drink. Mm -hmm. The product is not the drink. It's a lifestyle. Or, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's a holistic, mm. right? It's a holistic experience that you are getting. Because you could walk into anywhere and yeah. get a, well, not anywhere, but you can walk into a lot of places, order a Manhattan, and be fine. Yeah. Nine, nine times out of ten, it doesn't matter where I am if I order a cocktail. Like, I'll, I'll be, I probably wouldn't order a Manhattan. That's very advantageous of you. I don't want, like, 15-year-old <laughs> vermouth that's been open and half empty for that that's long. <laughs> Noted. Yes. But, I mean, yeah, I, I can pretty much go anywhere and get a daiquiri that I, I would deem worthy, mm -hmm. or okay, a mojito, any, any sort of classic cocktail that isn't strong stirred down with warm vermouth. Yeah. But, um... But yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. You, you, I, how many times have I said this? I think, like, I enjoyed Skinny's like two years ago more than I enjoyed most cocktail bars I had ever ever been to, and the reason was like everyone was friendly and smiley, happy all the time. I got my drinks pretty fast, it, considering they were four deep most of the time. I was getting my my beer in my shop pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. They knew what I wanted before I got to the bar. That's a big one. Oh, dude, that's well, that's a value add. Like that's what taking to the next level. Um, and then I and when I left, like normally in a state, never let me forget my wallet. Never let me forget my tab. Like it was that door to door, like start to finish, sort of. It still is that way, by the way. I just haven't been uh, haven't been drinking for a while, like not drinking heavily. Yeah. So I'm just saying the heydays of my drinking when I was out every night. That was the bar I was like. A star, like really yeah. good. And that's, you Anytime. still get that. You still do get that and in all these great cocktail bars, but in varying degrees. And I think a lot of people haven't been put under pressure as much as they'd like to believe they would have been. Or um, they find ways to manage the pressure by I, having a tiny bar, for example. Or... Yeah, but I still, I mean, this is this bar is tiny. I still hope you fall deep. Like, yeah. like, I would love to be 40 most of the time if it was yeah. possible. Um, but yeah, you can manage, okay, you can manage your flow and you can manage your concept, right? Like Baxter Inn could hold, I think, around 200 people, probably less, oh, but wow. yeah. let's just say it could. Um, they wouldn't ever let it get capacity. They would, so there used to be a queue around the alleyway and out into the street, um, and it would be one in, one out for the first, like, three hours of service or whatever. So it would only ever be 50% full, so everyone could get a really good drinking session in. And then as it kind of peeled, it was just incredibly smart tactics to get mm -hmm. everyone's value for money and every repeat customer they want. Also that Kiasu factor, like I want to get in, like a nightclub in yeah. a way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think that many, many bars as yet have been put under pressure on a regular basis, six deep, like nonstop dockets. It does happen, just not as regularly as it used to. So if you can like... Keep your eye on the ball, entertain customers, serve drinks at that pace. 
fantastic. Like, you'll always get thumbs up. So you would like to be four to six deep in this place? Only if I, only if I had no other choice. <laughs> <laughs> so what's an ideal What's for you? Uh, for us, like for me and Des and George, uh, Des, George, and I, shall I say, to be correct, yeah. um, we would love just to have the seats filled and everyone having a good time. Like, honestly, this whole location is designed to be like walking into your living room, as you can kind of tell mm -hmm. looking around. You guys can't see it, but you'll see it soon enough. Um, it's kind of supposed to be like walking into your living room slash kitchen. Living room's there, kitchen's here. Yep. And you're sitting down, you're having a good drink, you're having some good company, and people are meeting each other. That's the other thing we don't see much of is people meeting each other in bars. Yeah. I was kind of shocked the other day. It was an American guy. I was like, hey, what's up, buddy? I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> are you a unicorn? Leprechaun. Um, turns out you want to borrow a lighter. But still, it was a connection. It was a human yeah, connection. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It, it's something that's not really done as much. so much anymore. Like People are very uh, a bit more insular. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that that creates more connections with the staff, yeah, right. But not with each other, not with each other, uh, with each other anymore. Mm. I mean, Des is the one like uh, you, you can take Des anywhere, and she will make friends, and she will make friends with other people's friends. So she's a connector. She's mm -hmm. amazing at what she does, and it's just in her nature. Um, I enjoy talking to people at length, mm -hmm. as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I can be a bit over, overly verbose. But... I think there are two of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but like, with Des here all the time, like locked down to the venue, not allowed to leave. Not joking. Uh, but you know, with her here as as a host and, and as a crucial uh, owner and everything like that, like it's going to be pretty amazing to see her connect all the people because I haven't had a chance to see her since do that since she was at 28 really or maybe even when she was helping her friend out down at Boat Key but um, yeah seeing her connect everyone like that and being a part of it is going to be pretty cool and I think that's going to be our, our factor here like our X factor is basically Desiree um, so we don't have Shaking too many of those <laughs> <laughs> hey. yeah, so Des is over there on the other end of the bar just kind of shaking her head like, hide, hide, oh, hide behind the fan <laughs> no but like there is a reason why 28 has that reputation. Yeah, yeah. And they've, they've been flying on that reputation for a long time now. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so how do you want people to feel about this place? Um, <laughs> how do I want people to feel about this place? Is Hopefully this proud. Like, I mean, I, I would like people to be proud of what we, what we did here. This is built entirely by hand I'm, I'm trying to think of one thing we didn't oh, the only thing we didn't do is put up that air conditioning ourselves because um, okay. that wouldn't be safe at all um but these lights you did these lights uh, george and i did these lights yeah uh this whole bar frame the floor we're sitting on right now is raised up from recycled floor pallets from a concert that was on at dbs regatta and you did the floor we did the floor, the floor, yeah. Wow. George and I did the floor. The banquettes are made of the same material, um, just painted differently and obviously shaped differently. Like, everything in here is custom. There isn't one thing that isn't really, like, yeah. yeah no. When I was last year in December, mm. like, the wall was different. Like, the paint was different, right? Yeah, that my, my, first, my first hatchet job of a paint job. Yeah. I was like, oh, we need to be really bright and green in here. And, I, like, I think it was somewhere between eggshell and puke. Oh God. <laughs> it was just like I was trying to make it look dilapidated and stuff. I believe it it's called good. salmonella. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it looked like snot. It wasn't good at all. Um, now this nice, this nice green tone we've got here, the Desiree picked out actually. It's kind of between green and gray. Um, is fantastic, and it kind of when we got distort in here. Uh, I was gonna say his real name. I don't know if I'm allowed to. Uh, but when when he came in, I, and he was like, "What color do you want?" This? I was like, "Just like make it pop." 
Like yeah. do do a color palette that you like think is gonna work with the rest of this, but don't mute it. Like I've muted the tones in here a lot. Like mm -hmm. there's nothing really outstanding because I want this to show off the most. Mm -hmm. And then we've got this yellow sort of soft lighting as well. The only white light is behind the bar so you can see the bottles and read some signage. Mm -hmm. Other than that, everything's soft yellow. We've got some graffiti from Joker over here from Thailand. And I got another one kicking around somewhere. Um, some Ivils artwork. We're going to collect some more and put it up. And then we've got some classic, you know, bartender wanky artwork out there. And I think a lot of this is really making that home vibe, right? Because it's from my house. It, yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that's why. And it's very eclectic. Like, yeah. it, there's, there's a story of, of how it's told over time. And, yeah. And, like, the things that you've collected and the things that you guys have been into Yeah. as well. Uh, is this the kind of place that you expect people, like, the same crowd all the time? Um, I mean, I, we, we are, as a group between George, Desiree, and I, very focused on regulars. Um, mm -hmm. Just because... I feel like there's a lot of that lacking as well. Like, you know, regulars, again, because there's a very transient uh, relationship Singapore has with the rest of Southeast Asia, people are coming and going. There's a lot that gets lost. Um, and a lot of customers who probably you lose because new things are opening. Yeah. So for us, it's incredibly important. Anyone who walks through our door, I want to be able to remember you a year later if you come back in as long as you haven't grown a massive beard or yep. had a sex change or anything like that, I want to be able to remember you when you come back in. Yeah. Um, so I think anyone who comes through and our theory is because of you've seen the space, like with three floors up on a shop house, yeah. we're not, we don't have any st uh, store frontage sort of thing and we're not really having any signage put up. It's kind of be a word by word of mouth thing. So we have to rely on the first foot soldiers to come in and be like, you guys are now our advocates. Thanks so much. <laughs> Go and spread the word. Yeah, yeah. Um, and our friends and our family in the industry, um, we're very, again, like I say, Southeast Asia is so tight. Like, all the, the community here is amazing. We all support each other. Um, shout out to, like, Hutch and June who have just opened No Sleep. They're doing really well in Keon Sec. And uh, Michael and Celia and the crew have done Barbary Coast. So a lot of new bars opening up amidst all this stuff happening. And not one of them are going for each other's throats or anything like that. They're going like, cool, let's do this together. Let's share some customers. Mm -hmm. I'm mean, them on a circuit and almost everything in Singapore is walking distance, almost. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we would love to host anyone who wants to come. There will always be a spot here somewhere. We'll make sure the seats. Yeah. <laughs> we got a balcony. <laughs> yeah. You can sit out there. It's nice. It's cool at night. Yeah. So uh, how many years in the industry now in total? Uh, I was calculating that the other day. If you count like some illegal bar shifts, oops, okay. if you count some illegal bar shifts uh, or unsupervised bar shifts when I was 16, that'll be 24-ish. Wow. Is that 16 to 30? Is that good maths? 16 to 30, yes. 24? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's fast maths. Yeah. <laughs> Is that so, 24? Oh, shit. That might not be 24. I think that's <laughs> four, 30. Uh, sorry, it's 20. No, it's 14. Is it 14? It's 14. That's Wait. 14. Oh, yeah. 20. 30, yeah, yeah. You're right. 14. Damn 14. It. Yeah, you're right. Wow. I'm so glad you're not my lawyer. I'm well, or, or your accountant, my friend. <laughs> or accountant. Yeah. Actually, you would be gaining stuff. So yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah, definitely be your accountant. No wonder the bar, bar isn't finished yet. <laughs> Where all our money go? All right. So on that, how long have you been building this thing? Uh, it's been uh, it's seven months. Just well, seven to eight months now. It's coming seven into our eighth month of, of the project. We're getting there. I think like the everything's in. The guts are in. We're, we're good to go. As you noticed earlier, we had some power tripping issues, so we can get yeah. that resolved over the weekend. 
Um, we gave it a good hard uh, crack on the weekend with some friends over here, making some just loose drinks and seeing how loud we can get it without destroying the neighborhood. Seems to be all working fine. Um, I would say, if you're if you're alluding to when we might open, mm-hmm. um, officially, I want I want to try and make sure we open April first. Um, nice. We'll April Fool's Day. How you never yeah. know, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we can we can promote it for April first, and then if we're not ready, we can just renege. Yeah. <laughs> just be like, oh, that is, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> just board up the door and just make it look like it's been derelict forever. Yeah. Um, I actually might use that. That's <laughs> that might that might work. <laughs> yeah. So maybe April first. Hopefully, we said that. We said July in last May. So <laughs> yeah. Trust me. I know it. I know the feeling. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my goodness! Like for 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 our space, mm. it's been six months of back jobs. Yeah. With a contractor, which would be fine, except that all the work is done in the foyer. Uh. So like, you can't let people in. No. Um. So I I would say that seven months is pretty good, especially yeah. since you know you're doing it all yourself. Yeah, I was to say, what would be nice to have a contractor. Then I'd have someone to blame. <laughs> I only but have myself and George and Des to blame. It's called a mirror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so look at it. There's so many mirrors in here as well. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, we, we've got some small things to fix um, or, or sort of get ready for inspection. But once inspection's done, we're kind of getting ready. Like. Uh, one thing I'll say to anyone opening a bar is, or a venue or a cafe, or whatever it is, the hardest thing to do is press the go button. Yep. Like I, every day I work on it, right? Every day, lunchtime when I'm at the office, obviously I'm doing my regular work for Mug Shorter all the time. Yeah. But lunchtime comes around, I'll crack into sort of looking at some social media stuff. And I'm always like, oh, well, I just, I just won't do that until like later. Or yeah. I, just, I just won't do it until this piece of work is done. And that's where the delay is coming from me. It's like I'm so scared of letting it go in before before I think it's perfect. Um, and that's a big issue that George and Des have with me as well. They're like, dude, it's ready. I'm like, no, 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 that, that spot over there needs like this. And they're like, no, dude, we're, we're getting this done. So, you know, we, we had a similar situation where last year in 2019, it was July and we, we actually hosted the Philippine Aeropress Championships mm. in our space. So it was like 300 people came in, yeah. saw the thing, and it wasn't done mm. at all. Mm. Like, but most people, when they saw it, they thought it was done. Yeah. It's all the stuff that needs to be done, not yet done. And then uh, it's been you know, months and months and months of not being able to open. Yeah. And then the right timing to open was, frankly, yesterday. Right. Right? But you want to come here and see me. I know. But I want to come here and see I you. Understand. I mean, Thank but you. but we, ha- we we're supposed to be here for for other business, but yeah. we have business in in uh, Thailand. Yeah, yeah. We're going to Bangkok uh, at the end of this week. Yeah. And you know, it just didn't make sense for us to move either one. Yeah. And it was a situation where I was like, you know what? I always tell my team, you have your job for a reason. Mm. Use your best judgment. Yeah. And so it was a big step for me to just let go. And be like, you know what? This is the right time to flip the switch. Yeah. You know, I told my operations manager, Ina, you're in charge. Mm. And it's going to work. So jealous you have an operations manager. I'm so jealous you have staff. Well, she's my partner. She's (laughs) also our partner. Okay, cool, cool. So so they're they're five partners. She's the third partner. Um, And now this store is actually also a partner. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, in in, in the entire Honeycomb organization, which involves, you know, street art and murals. Yeah. you know, coffee service 
and co-working yeah. uh, and media as well because like we conduct the you know we run the entire company as a media company yeah, and he's a good egg he's a good egg super yeah like you know the start he started out as basically like an intern or an apprentice mm -hmm. in the company yeah and now he's a partner nice uh, and it, it's a testament to like what a great character he is and uh one of my learnings like once you meet someone who is you know that salt of the earth mm, personality like stick it out with them mm -hmm. and to go back to 11 madison yeah right uh with uh danny meyer yeah uh when they got the number one restaurant in the world accolade they closed i thought well, was that yeah no that was he'd already sold it at that point i believe yeah yeah but yeah, but, yeah. but when they sold it yeah well it's no longer 11 madison after that and they want to refurb it and yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, yeah. the, the personality of the staff is what I'm saying. Like oh, 100%. The, the, the service standard, mm. you know, they closed it. Yeah. And then when they, uh, while they were closed for the three months, it took to refurbish and change everything. Three months. That's amazing. Three months, right? <laughs> In New York. Yeah. No, because like, I guess New York is like Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you are closed, you are bleeding and you will die. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, no, I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and in new york what they did was they really recognized that the value was in their staff yeah so they opened up a pop-up house in the hamptons took the entire staff there did a hamptons menu for the entire summer wow that's and, pretty cool and housed all of their staff and they were like you know what we've been preparing for this one house for a whole year mm. it's ready we're gonna run it for three months and probably realistically not make that much money but the and value was keep your staff on though. But the value was in keeping the staff. Yeah, yeah. Right, and knowing who the good people. You know, once you have great people, understand hospitality, mm -hmm. and you've invested in training them and getting them to spec, hold on to that. That is your greatest treasure. Yes, yeah. Staff are everything. I, I agree. And good branding. And good branding. Can yeah. do can do that pop out without good branding. Oh yeah, and leaving monkey shoulder. Yes. What do you hope? people remember you for there and your legacy for that period of your life how do you want to be remembered yeah the five years um i just want to be remembered for actually caring about the community like that's if i can be remembered for anything caring about the community is one of the things i did i, I from the heart did the most um i would love to remember for that if i was gonna hit by a bus tomorrow that would <laughs> be like that would be nice to be remembered for that um I hope not the drinking. I hope not the partying. Like I tried to shake that um, like a bad smell like mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. Um, remember, if you're in that position, if you do take up a brand ambassador role at any point, um, it's not about the partying at all. People get sucked into believing it is. And that company card will bite you in the ass because expenses are no fun when you're six months behind. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know the company will remember me for my, my lack of expenses. <laughs> like, like they're already going... Like, how far behind is he? He has, okay, he has two months. He's got to catch up by eight. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's going to be in here every night. <laughs> All right. If you have met Jay Gray over the last five years that he's been traveling around, uh, that'd be 30, 30 trips to make up your 60 flights a year? Uh, what, across uh, across Southeast Asia. Oh, Southeast Asia. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. That sounds about right. So if you have met Jay Gray over that time, as soon as they open... 15 trips, 30 flights there and back. Ah, that's right. Yeah. No, no, you're saying it's 60. 60, 60 Oh my flights. goodness, it's fucking math again. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we understand half poor, full poor. Like, yeah. this is what we do. How many sirs? Um, 
Yeah, we're gonna count things up. No, no division. <laughs> okay. No, no subtraction. Um, yeah, if you have met Jay Gray over that entire period, come here and see if he remembers you. He definitely wants to be able to say that he's the one who remembers you. That you know that uh, that aspect of his personality. And if you really wanna, if you really really wanna uh, get him. Get a sex change first. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, come then, here. Then come and talk and to me. So yeah, you. I'll just look you deep in the eyes. Only the eyes. Um, I was really worth letting you get that last line out. Oh, thank you for the plug. I, <laughs> <laughs> I kept on interrupting every time. And when you're coming, make sure that you follow and you send a message to The Cocktail Advocate on Instagram. Or Sego House SG. On Instagram. I am at Kosh on Instagram. Please, uh, if you have liked this video, please leave a comment. It helps us a lot. Uh, click thumbs up. If you enjoyed it, click thumbs down if you didn't like it. Um, I'm fine with that. As long as you do something, I'm happy. Because that <laughs> engagement is engagement. That's true. Um, that's true. <laughs> and, uh, and that does help us. If you have negative comments, we want to hear them too. Because we want to know how to improve and things that you like. Very true. Things that you don't like. Um, <laughs> Desiree's and already commenting a negative comment. She's already <laughs> preempting, like writing down. She, she's like storing them up. <laughs> yeah. She's storing them up, and they're just gonna they're gonna go out like yeah. all at the same time. Really like, needs to no. shave his beard. Shouldn't wear a beanie in Singapore. At Honeycomb Manila on Instagram <laughs> and on YouTube. Please subscribe. Jay Gray, it's been a pleasure. My pleasure. I wish you the best of Thank luck. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. <laughs> all right, peace out, y'all. Bye bye.